Hey everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Think Beginning Not End podcast powered by Vanden. I'm your host Simon Van Leuven and today's episode features Ken Dickens, Managing Director of Cryo Waste Management Services and Western Composting Technology. Now Ken's got over 30 years experience in the waste management industry and for our international audience and even our audience here in Australia, you guys may be familiar with Ken because he's quite active on social media and in particular LinkedIn and Twitter. Now today's episode is going to focus around his organics and composting facility, which is Western Composting Technology, based up in the Victorian regional town of Shepparton here in Australia, Victoria. It's about two hours drive north of Melbourne. We cover topics like do we have enough infrastructure if we're going to increase food and organics recycling collection programs, whether that's to industry or at the curbside, and what lessons can we learn from the plastic recycling crisis and apply them to other recyclable material streams and other collection programs. We also talk about how we need local councils and local governments to procure more products made from recyclable materials. And then we jump into this one, which you guys are going to love, biodegradable bags, compostable packaging, does it really break down in an organics and composting facility like Ken's got? Anyway, guys, there's going to be loads of value in this for you. Over to you, Ken. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the next episode of the Think Beginning Not End podcast and today we've got Managing Director of Cario Waste Management Services and Western Technology Composting Services in Shepparton, Ken Dickens on. So great to have you on Ken, 38 years of experience in the waste management sector. Yes. Um, some of you guys might be familiar with Ken, you might see him on Twitter, LinkedIn, he's a prominent figure here in Australia. And he has so much knowledge about organic recycling that that's what we want to share with you today is Ken's intimate knowledge about recycling organics. And Ken, you're noted for saying that waste management is a combination of art, science and high risk. So tell us a bit about that. Well, it's interesting. Every time I see one of our trucks roll out the front gate, I, I'm concerned about uh, whether they're going to hit a car, you know, whether somebody's going to walk in front of them. Um, there's interaction between vehicles, you know, heavy equipment, pedestrians, vehicles on the road. So it's it's important that you get your infrastructure right, you get your training right, that people understand the risks involved. And as an industry, I think sometimes we discount those risks to the detriment of the industry. Yeah. And so, Ken, you've been, like we said, 38 years in the industry. What are some of the big changes that you've noticed over that period of time and you, you've travelled overseas a bit as well, and I, I know you take note of things that happen over there. So what are some of the big changes that you've noticed in the industry? I think it, probably technology. Yep. I think, um, you know, when we, when we started uh, 24 years ago, the vehicles that we drove uh, as a start-up business were, were, were nothing like the vehicles we operate today. Um, and I think there's a, a, been a huge emphasis in, in occupational health and safety, driver comfort, um, you know, uh, emission standards for, uh, for vehicles. You know, we, we've probably got one of the youngest fleets in the industry and we do that quite deliberately. Um, 
you know, the onboard computers, the onboard tracking systems in terms of, you know, uh, driving vehicles, picking up waste. Um, you know, training for our employees has always been something that we're, we're keen to keep best practice levels. Um, and the more, the more you train, the more uh, safety enhancements in vehicles, like Mercedes Benz, for instance, where you've got automatic, you know, stopping if somebody walks in front of you. Um, I'd say, you know, when, it, when a driver spends 12 hours a day or 11 hours a day in a vehicle, it, you know, it, it, they can be fatigued and that's when accidents can happen. So um, we, we try our best to, to minimise or mitigate those risks. Yep. Um, I want to jump straight into the organic side of things. And so for, for people that don't know out there and our, our friends overseas, um, Ken's the managing director of a large composting facility up in, up in Shepparton in, in regional Victoria. Um, tell us a little bit about that facility, Ken, when, when, you, when you built it, perhaps why you built it. Um, the city of Greater Shepparton went to tender back in 2006. Um, they were quite specific about what system they wanted. They wanted world's best practice. Uh, they had a curbside, or they were introducing a curbside green waste only contract and they wanted to ensure that they, they got the very best. Um, so, and so Ken, just quickly for the listeners, curbside green waste contract is very different to food waste contract, right? That's correct. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the green waste was just garden trimmings, you know, flower, flowers, uh, tree tree trimmings and all that sort of thing. It's, it's fairly basic. You, people don't really understand the difference between what we call FOGO, which is food organics, garden organics, and just straight green waste. Green waste, in essence, is reasonably simple um, to compost. And when you add food to it, it becomes a, 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 totally, new, a, a totally new ball game. It, it becomes quite, you have to be more sophisticated um, your odour control systems have to be far more rigorous uh, and, and there's, there's quite a difference in it, it basically changes the makeup of the material that, that needs to be composted so um, we, uh, we were the first in Victoria to commence uh, food organics, garden organics okay. um, a lot said it couldn't be done uh, within the industry and we proved that it could uh, we we manufacture to an Australian standard 4454. Uh, we've got a state-of-the-art facility, and uh, you know the end of, end product uh, during non-drought times, we, we you know we can hardly keep up with demand. Yeah. So digging in a bit to the facility, Ken, just to paint a picture for our listeners, um, the organics facility that you run up there is is how big and. How many tonnes of incoming product are you allowed to take into that facility? We're licensed for 36,000 tonne. Uh, we, t we accept at this point in time 25,000 tonne a year. Um, the, the, the system itself is, is an in-vessel system. It's based on WTT technology out of the Netherlands, who, and they actually operate a, a business in Australia now. Um, it's it's since evolved. There, there's uh, there's greater controls with newer plants, uh, and when we build another plant, which we eventually will, uh, those controls will be implemented in in the new in the new plant. Um, also, there's undercover. There's potential for undercover maturation. It's it really is. 
uh, a game changer in terms of composting. So yep. Mm. And so the the product comes in, and I, I just kind of want to work our way through this so listeners can kind of get an idea of of what actually what actually happens in here. So if you can give me a step by step kind of process to getting up with the finished product. Okay. Well, it starts at the home. Um, you know, people are, are, are given uh, kitchen tidies for their kitchen and compostable bags. Yep. Uh, and there's a big difference between compostable let's, and bio bags. Let's come back to that after okay. you. Uh, and uh, all their food scraps are placed in the green waste bin and you can have collection frequencies by council contractors ranging from a week to two weeks. Uh, and they've got various size bins. You can either have a 120 weekly or a 140 weekly to a 240 fortnightly, 240 litre that is. Um, it's picked up curbside. Uh, delivered to us over a way bridge. It's dropped on the ground uh, in an undercover sorting uh, uh, factory, I, I guess you could say, or shed, more to the point. Uh, then we go through it, and if there's serious contamination, we put it through our decontamination table, which is a, a trommel that's got, um, that literally unpicks the, the compacted material comes out onto a table where we've got people that pull the, the contamination out up a conveyor. Uh, 60% of our, our, of our efforts are, on, are, are, are concentrated on decontaminating the material. Um, it's a bit like data. If you put rubbish in, you get rubbish out. Mm. And we, we work really hard at the front end to remove any contamination. It's then placed into our, into our tunnels. Uh, doors closed, batch number given. It's, it's operated by SCADA, it's, it's automatic. Um, you know, we we, uh, we we rely on the SCADA to apply um, water uh, and air to, to the 480 cubic metres in each tunnel, and that's dictated by temperature. And can can you um, can you trace that batch back to the collection run? Is it that technical? No, yet, it's or? not. No, not yet. no. Um, it's you know the, each each batch is given a, an identifiable number. Now, how, what the SCADA does is control the the air and the water within within the system. Um, what happens then is the the materials left in 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 the tunnel because we take various types of um, water treatment sludge from you know abattoirs. Um, we we do quite a bit of food waste from commercial kitchens, uh, restaurants around Geelong, and we transport it up to Shepherd and to compost. Um, and what dictates the the uh, the operation of the, of, of the facility really is temperature and oxygen levels. Um, we operate an, uh, an aerobic, not an anaerobic, but a, a aerobic process yep. uh, which requires oxygen. Um, and it's kept in the, in the tunnels. And the Australian standard for FOGO or food organics, garden organics is in vessel. It's a six week process. Um, according to the standard, which is basically process driven uh, to, to get a good outcome at the end. Um, and, and our system controls all that. And ultimately, uh, we end up with a product, uh, well, out of, out of that six week process, we, we tunnels for two weeks, bring it out and mature it for four weeks, then we screen uh, and then sell the end product to, to our many customers. Yep. So, um, so temperature, oxygen, yep. 
how else does it break those things down, Ken? What's really happening in, well, inside the thermo- that? Well, the, the, the tunnels really, that's where your capital lays, right? Mm. So you, you, your tunnels are there to um, allow thermophilic uh, bacteria to get in there and, and essentially eat uh, the material that, that's in the tunnel. It, it, our, our volume is reduced a third. Mm. So they get in there. We operate at reasonably high temperatures because uh, we prefer the certainty of pasteurisation in the tunnel uh, so that the fin- finished product doesn't have any weed seeds, propagules, viruses, uh, or, any, or any, anything detrimental to the, to the product at the end of the day. Yeah. So, mm. Okay. And the and the finished product that you guys make is typically used in in what what applications can it be used on? Oh look, we we sell to farms. Yeah. So it traditionally, um, you know, really high end uh, quality fruit uh, growers yep. love our products. Uh, we, we've got co- you know large corporate clients in in and around Shepparton, which is the food bowl of Victoria. And uh, you know they can't get enough of the stuff. So yeah. yeah. So if we go right back to the start and this real think beginning, not end stuff, and we yeah. think about organics, um, a lot of people are, can be confused about these. Um, uh, people are confused in general about what they can put in their organics bin, and obviously we've clearly got two different types of services here. You've got just green waste, and then here in Australia they're moving trying to move to this FOGO, which is the food organics um, and green waste together. Is that is that right? That's correct. Yep. Um, and the big driver is obviously to divert it from landfill. Mm. But to me, Ken, it sounds like organics recycling is kind of similar to plastics that you got you can't have too much contamination on the front end. So this confusion... Well, there's, th- there's two really important aspects in relation to processing FOGO. The first is contamination. You, you, you know, it, it. Simply put, the most successful councils that implement this system have a long lead time in education. Mm. So they educate their their ratepayers um, prior to the to the system being introduced, and the ratepayers are in no doubt as to what can and can't go into a, a Fogo bin. Yep. Um, that's not to say that you know it's a perfect system. There's no such thing. But we've we've got um, councils in the northeast, uh, or oh, sorry, in well, central north and and northeast that have contamination levels of 0.25%. Mm. Um, but that tends to be a combination of really um, strong, long lead time education, and also the type of contractor that picks the material up that they take an interest in, in what actually goes into their truck um, and they're really um, enthusiastic about making the system work and, and they work hand in glove with us and their council customers and the ratepayers. So, you know, if, if, uh, if there's a consistent um, ratepayer that, that or if there's a ratepayer that consistently uh, contaminates a load, they'll either withdraw the system, they give them three warnings, you, you know, you do it again, it's... it's uh, after three warnings, they'll pull the bin out. So, you know, there's some people um, that are prone to use the third bin, which, you know, mm. you've got, you've got in Victoria mainly, you've got, you know, your waste bin, general waste to landfill, 
recycling bin, which you understand, yep. and uh, you've got your, your Fogo bin or your green waste bin, and sometimes people can use that third bin as a rubbish bin. Yep. Yeah. And Ken, what about the confusion around, you know, biodegradable bags, compostable bags? I mean, plastic person, I'm confused as anything, and then you're the person who's trying to deal with that amongst all the organic stuff that comes into your facility. What's, from your perspective, what's, what's there for people to know about that? We, we did a lot of work with bag manufacturers, um, or compostable and bio bag manufacturers early days. Um, we were well, well, well ahead of the game in, in terms of, um, you know, the, the, what happened in Victoria um, several years ago, the, there was uh, two companies, three companies at the time that, that saw uh, the future of Fogo. Yep. Um, they came to us and, and asked us to, to treat, uh, or at least to put through our process, um, their bags, um, including some bio bags, compostable nappies, for instance, mm. um, and we put we put them through our system, and we knew from that point on which which would work and which wouldn't. Bio bags don't break down in our system, so they are, for all intents and purposes, a disaster for us. Mm. Um, and what what we found. Uh, happening is that when we when we first started with with councils, we uh, said to them we wanted we wanted councils to buy bags that were a specific colour, so we knew which council it came from, and it was distinct from a white plastic bag, for yep. instance. So one council's got purple, the other one's got green, uh, the other one's got uh, a, a, a red a red bin. Oh, sorry, a red uh, a red compostable bag. And you know, one of the issues for us was we couldn't see what was in the bag, mm. right? So you didn't know until after the pro after the 14-day process what literally was in the bag because you pull the material out and there'd be glass jars and it's, all that sort of thing. So it's like the old seeing at the shopping centre the recycling bin and the waste bin, and they're both in the black bag. And let's yeah. be honest, no one's you know knowing what's inside them either. So. Yeah, that's correct. So, you know, we, we worked really hard with our, with our council customers and, you know, you have to have a good relationship with not only your council, because we're at the end of the process. We, mm. We've got no say whatsoever about what the customer or what the ratepayer puts into our bin. You know, we, we, we are not a generator manufacturing compost. The, the waste is delivered to us. Mm. And it's it's it costs a lot of money to get the waste out of the system. Uh, we're responsible for the for the landfill cost uh, of 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 that um, in terms of contamination. Um, so we're at the end of the road. It's up to the council to educate. It's up to the uh, to the transporter that picks up the material curbside to take an interest in what they're doing. And and it's hard work because I mean. You're talking about Shepparton, for instance, the city of Greater Shepparton, uh, you know, 22,500 services. They do 16,000 odd a week. Oh, sorry, yeah, 11,000 odd a week. Um, and, you know, a driver, it's, it's a mundane job. It's, it's not an easy job. And, you know, you, you, you've got to concentrate on picking up the bin. You've got to look at what, when the bin's being tipped, what's actually in your hopper. Mm. And you can push a button that marks a contaminated bin. Um, so it's, 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 it's not an easy job and, and if you can get your education system right prior to implementation, it makes the driver's job easier, 
and it makes our job easier because we've got to touch, literally touch, every kilogram of contamination that comes into our site. And that can include needles, sharps. Mm. Uh, we've had a kitchen sink. We've had uh, pool liners, plastic trees, plastic Christmas trees at Christmas. <laughs> Our people believe that's a, 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 a green. So, yeah, so it's green. So well, it's green. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it, that's the sort of that's the sort of issue that you know, and it's year after year, and and look, it, it gets better over time, but it's slow. You know, if you if you don't get it right at the front, mm. um, it takes a long, long time to get it right like to me Ken it seems like that is the answer to most of these problems in the recycling supply chain right now whether that's Australia England America anywhere in the world mm. it seems like that is the the biggest area that we need to improve and improve it fast mm. look I, I think you know we, we we provide recycling services cryo waste management Western composting technology is, is a is an innovative uh, you know, European-based technology business uh, that is doing very, very well, extremely well. Um, the transport business is really interesting because when, when the shock hit, um, and I'm talking about industrial commercial yep. recycling from this point, um, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, what, what we found was that our customers were actually angry at us because the system failed. Mm. You know, they couldn't believe that, you know, why can't you take it somewhere? It's, you know, why does it have to go to landfill? Because, uh, you know, our, our supplier at the time, or the people we delivered the material to at the time, which happened to be SKM, uh, just shut the gate on us. And literally almost shut, at that point in time, nearly shut the gate on themselves and everybody else, all their customers. So what we did was 95% of our co-mingle customers in the industrial commercial space was cardboard. Hmm. So we said, well, look, you know, we, we still, we still, there's still some value in cardboard. Um, just take out the, the, the co-mingled, say your plastics, your glass, because the, the cardboard uh, recyclers didn't want plastic or glass, yep. uh, which is 5% of your, of your bin. Uh, and you're still, you're still recycling the yep. vast majority of, uh, of your material. Now, you know, uh, the, the, the struggle, I think, for recycling now, um, whether it's industrial, commercial or, or even curbside, is what has value today may not necessarily have value tomorrow. Yeah. And cardboard is a prime example. You know, the price of cardboard uh, that going back four years ago, um, that recycling uh, companies uh, were willing to pay to, to subsidise the cheaper service for, for recycling is, is fallen by 90%. So do you think we're doing a good enough job as an overall industry letting the public know that to recycle stuff, it, it does cost when you look at all the steps. You know, I, I put it out on a whiteboard for someone not that long ago and I'm like, mm. here's a bin on curbside, here's the truck that picks it up. Here's the MRF that processes it. Here's someone else who buys it, and someone else has to handle it, and so on and so forth. There's a, there's a big cost in all of that. Well, what what happened? Um, old habits die hard, and humans we don't like change that much. Um, when recycling started way back in the early 90s, it was Richard Pratt uh, and Vizzy who uh, had 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 the vision to uh, pick up fibre 
charge for it, use it in their, in their manufacturing process. And uh, really it was a win-win. You kept it out of the car, uh, you kept it out of, uh, sorry, landfill. Um, and it was used within manufacturing in Australia. What happened over time was that, that you know, politicians wanted more, you know, landfill became a dirty word. They wanted more material out of landfill into recycling. The birth of China's, re or China's recycling uh, appetite just become ferocious. Yep. Uh, and they started paying and paying really well uh, to the point where councils and, and, and people like ourselves could offer really cheap services because we we're being rebated. All that stopped two years ago, as you're aware. Mm. Um, and the price now for recycling to councils exceeds landfill price, right? At this point in time. So that's the, the gate fee that they might be charged by processors Correct. exceeds landfill. Yeah. Uh, there's councils in, in uh, Melbourne that are paying $210 a tonne to have their recycled. And I'm going to put this in inverted commas, processed. Um, in fact, there are some councils in the Geelong region that are paying $200 a tonne when you combine their yep. gate fee plus the contamination charge. Um, so it's far in excess of, of, of an average $125, $130 a tonne for, for landfill. Um, I don't think it's sustainable as it is now. Um, I, I think there's an awful lot going to landfill. In fact, I know there's a lot going to landfill. Um, they can't, and this is the problem, you, 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 you have to reinvest millions and millions and millions of dollars into, a, into a, a process where something might have value today. Cardboard is a prime example, where it's got very little process tomorrow. And how do you educate you know, 100,000 ratepayers with 100,000 bins. How do you educate them that you can't, you can put something in today, but tomorrow take it out, mm. put it in the red bin? So the challenges for the recycling industry, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm saying the cost and the risk has to be borne by the ratepayer. It can't be passed on to the recycler anymore. Yeah, it's, it's almost as consumers we need to be responsible mm. for the stuff we buy. Correct. And and um, I think where we where where consumers have got confused is when we've been promised recycling, and in some cases it hasn't happened. Mm. Um, and you know, coming back to that, how do we build an education program? I think we're very we've we have to be very careful because we we kind of lost a lot of public um, confidence in the system. And to build that education and do it properly, we, we need to take them on that journey a bit. And I mean, if we go back to organics, can if we introduce more FOGO collection, um, have we got a have we got a system there ready to cope with that? Because no. there's a big appetite to remove it from landfill to say we've removed it from landfill, but are we ready for it? Like, if we look at the system totally, are we ready for it? No. Or, or does it need short something? answer? No. Um, look, it's like e-waste. Victoria introduced an e-waste ban and it's being stored in warehouses. 
um, when 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 the recycling system was failing, there's thousands upon thousands of tons, probably hundreds of thousands of tons around Australia, that were either either stuffed in 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 40 foot containers stored somewhere mm. or in, in, in landlords warehouses that you know they were paid three months in advance via a third party that third party's disappeared and the landlords are stuck with warehouses chock a block full of rubbish mm. basically so and it, and it's and it was all because nobody wanted to talk about the problem if you can't talk about the problem how are you going to fix it yeah and that's, that's a dilemma. There has to be honesty around what the issues are and then conversation about how do you fix, how, do you, how can we fix it? And the answer may not be what they want. Mm. It may be um, a combination of landfill, it may be a combination of, of waste to energy, although that creates problems in its own right. Um, there'll always be landfills. And this, this, this desire to eliminate landfills or not use landfills because it's not the option that we want to use is flawed and it's always going to be flawed because there's always going to be residual now what form that residual takes it could be inert um, as in plastic you know if certain plastics can't be recycled um, sure you can burn it but down the track it may be worth something it may not mm. but the reality is if you're going to spend millions of dollars, whether it's in in organics infrastructure, whether it's in waste to energy infrastructure, whether it's in improved processing so that you can remove material that does have value one day and not the next, that's going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars. You can't do that in a high risk environment. Mm. There has to be there has to be guarantees of of support. Otherwise, the whole system, it, it, at the, this very point in time, it's broken. So what, um, in your view then, can like, who really ultimately takes responsibility for rebuilding these systems? I know like as an industry, we all want to do more and, and I know government's making some statements about things, but like who takes responsibility? <coughs> for we do. So what, what the whole idea is to reduce the amount of, of waste um, as I mentioned that, that you know manufacturing facilities produce waste as part of their um, manufacturing process that's one type of waste the other type of waste is is imported um, used for packaging for iPhones used for packaging for computers used you know the, the amount of packaging that that is is used in Australia um, to make something look pretty you know supermarkets have to stop demanding you know, longer shelf lives for the for, for convenience because you're using more and more plastic in, in an effort to extend the shelf life of a of a particular product. You know, um, something as simple as cereal. Why why have a, a cardboard box on the outside and a plastic you know liner on the inside? I mean, there's a million ways that that, that waste can actually be reduced or introduced in, into the country, and we need that, that conversation really. Yeah, I mean, we are, a, um, I mean, for Australia, like for our global audience, just to explain, like, we have lost a lot of manufacturing in Australia to overseas. And, you know, when people often ask me, well, how come some plastic gets shipped to Asia or other countries? I often say to them, well, that's actually where the manufacturing's happening. So there's probably a bit of a, a, a something that we need to look at in terms of what, what we what we set as standards that, of things that can come in? 
Well, one of the, one of the biggest issues I've seen is the aggregation of contracts. <clears throat> you know, you know, waste management groups in Victoria. It, it, it's, it's part of uh, sustainability's sustainability Victoria to to uh, have these waste management groups. There's one in this region, in the southeastern region, one in the northeast region. I'm talking regional here. Yeah. Um, one in the uh, Gippsland region and one in uh, the Bendigo region that, that goes all the way up to Mildura. And you're talking a rather large land mass. And in an effort to drive down cost, there was a, a, a traditional thought that, well, if we aggregate all those contracts, it means higher volume, it means, you know, um, lower costs. That was that was a traditional manufacturing um, thought. The paradigm was, you know, the, the more you process the cheaper the cost. Mm. Well, it doesn't work out that way. Not in recycling. The more you process, the more you're left with, the more you're left with, the higher the cost. Um, when China first introduced, you know, for, got an appetite to, to process this material, they take as much, 51 million tonne was delivered to China in 2016. 51 million tonne from the world, mm. right? Um, and then it fell off a cliff. And you know the 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 virtue, you know, and what I, what I mentioned in a conversation previously, the governments were virtuous. You know, they oh look, we we divert eighty percent of our material or seventy percent of our material. We don't know where it goes, but we divert it from landfill. Mm. Not one audit post processing. Not one audit post delivery to Asia was ever done because we're too busy patting ourselves on the back saying how clever we are and how virtuous we are. Um, and all the time it was set up to fail. Mm. You know, nobody thought in, in risk management, nobody thought, and this is easy to say in hindsight, well, what if China stops? Nobody thought that. The, the funny thing is though, Ken, like, there were a few warning mm. signals there, and I know we've yeah. spoken about this off camera, but yeah. um, there were a few warning signals. And what I don't understand is why people didn't move fast enough and and why um, they couldn't see that as well? Good question. I, I, I think what happened, I think, again, it's human nature. I thought they thought, well, okay, look, if we can, if we can reduce our contamination, but to go from a bailing, they weren't processing, this is the problem, to go from a bailing operation, a logistics operation, to literally processing um, with the volumes involved because of these aggregated contracts, they couldn't do it. They'd have to spend, they'd have to retool their entire MRF systems. Um, SKM, for example, didn't, they had a transfer station in, in South Australia and bought all that South Australian material over here, put it on ships, off it went. When it stopped, what could they do with it? Mm. They had no infrastructure in place. You know the councils were really happy to get the to get the rebates, and some of the rebates in in Victoria were you know the highest I, I, I'd heard of was ninety five dollars a ton, rebate the council, and councils were addicted to it. So ninety five dollars a ton for the curbside bin. Yep. Unsorted. Unsorted. Wow. Absolutely. Um, there was one, and in a, in a Melbourne City Council, eighty five dollars a ton. Um, 
the further out in regional Victoria, the, the lower the, the rebates fell uh, because of transport and cost associated with getting it from regional Victoria. You know, you're, you're talking five hour drive to Mildura, you're talking a, 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 almost a three and three quarter hour drive to Aubrey, you know. So, so let me get this right, like even Mildura was getting a rebate. They were getting a rebate. And, and like I've driven that road myself and it's five hours. That's right. And they were still getting a rebate. Yeah. Yeah, Could have been as low as twenty dollars a ton. Yeah, but you know what? I, I'd I'd actually attended meetings, uh, talking to councils about organics, and the number of councillors and bureaucrats that were saying, "Well, we expect the organics, um, the organics industry, to end up like our recycling industry. That we're going to get paid for the organics." Mm. And I, I, I was incredulous. I said to them, "Well." Now we're talking multi-million dollar facilities that we have to spend or have to invest. Mm. And you expect us to pay for, for the material and the contamination. This, this is the sort of expectation that was created by China and by the operators that rebated yep. councils. And now it's, you know. So, and, and just coming, so coming back onto that organics part of it, Ken, I mean, if we're going to roll out more of this FOGO, Food and Organics curbside collection, um, what approach do the councils need to be aware of this time round? Because if just sitting here listening, it's we've got lessons from the commingle bin that we probably need to learn and apply them to the organics bin. Price. You cannot, you know, and this, this may sound commercially uh, biased, yeah, um, we, and we have the uh, somewhat fortunate position to be um, one of Victoria's longest um, in business. Long, you know, we, we've, we've been doing this for 14 years, so we've been Victoria's longest processor of Fogo. Um, we know the cost, and the one of the difficult things that council have to understand is not everybody has the same level of expertise, mm. right? Not everybody uh, understands what's required, the amount of land needed, um, the actual process, because it's very easy to be sold a system by a snake oil salesman that says this technology is gonna do it for you. And one thing I've learned in 14 years, um, Technology is important, but it's not the technology that operates the system. So the technology is part of the answer, but it's how you operate that technology, whether it makes a success of yep. a facility or not. And that's what they have to, councils have to understand. And, you know, given the fact that, you know, pricing now, um, as an example, in the organics industry, there was a multinational went back to uh, the Melbourne Metropolitan Waste Management Group and wanted a 40% increase and uh, for all intents and purposes they got it. Um, and they're not in, as far as I know, they're not in breach of contract. They probably should be, technically. Um, but <coughs> even then, even then their process isn't, uh, uh, you talk about the beginning to the end. They, they have a beginning but they don't have an end. They don't manufacture anything, they actually ship it off site. Um, and that's not, that's not sustainable. Mm. No. And so, also for the for the finished product. So let me get this: how how many tons a year of your finished product you're processing in in uh, Shepparton again? 
25,000 And the majority of that shot sold to farms? Yes. The, the, do you sell that back to councils or local government? No, oh, it's interesting. Um, Victoria, the Victorian state government is just about to come out with a, um, a circle economy in an effort, uh, the circle economy they're calling it, in an effort to um, encourage the use of recycled material in uh, in the industry, organics industry, in also in the manufacturing of, of material in terms of plastics, yep. a certain amount. They get to be go. I, I think federally they'll mandate um, recycling um, requirements in in manufactured goods, which is a good start. Um, but we don't manufacture anything here, and that's that's the dilemma. Um, and now we're looking to uh, restrict the potential uh, export of uh, of material that can be used in in uh, manufacturing. Uh, in 14 years, uh, not one council has purchased our compost. Wow. And we deal with five councils. Um, we've tried. Um, what's, what's, what stops them from it? Like why, um, why do you think it is? I think it's, I think what happens is that they've been doing something the same way for so long that they're loath to change, just loath to change. Uh, they'll use topsoil where you could use compost. Um, they'll use a, a mixture of sand and compost that they can perhaps buy somewhere else. Um, you know, it, it, we, we've tried to convince, we, you know, the benefits thereof. We, we've provided material for nothing, um, but they might complain that, they, you know, there's an odour in it. Or, you know, and at the end of the day, we're talking about food organics waste, uh, food organics, garden organics. Um, you know, it, it smells earthy mm. and, you know, it, it's just, but it's not soil. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it's you know, just old habits. It's very difficult. So um, maybe like a, a mechanism for, for them to get more involved would be looking at how they contract these contracts. And perhaps on the flip side of it is part of those contracts should be that, okay, you guys need to buy back a percentage as well. Cause if, then, if you're not buying it for those reasons, and say we have a drought like we've just had, mm. then you, you might not be able to tap the same markets as you have been on other years. Well, the, the interesting thing about our compost, it's, it's got fantastic water retaining qualities. When, it, when we were just dealing with green waste, straight, straight green waste, there really wasn't that much in the way of, of nitrogen. You know, there, there was... Uh, it was more or less a soil ameliorant. And because our seasons change so radically in Australia, um, the, the, the material changed over, it's natural, you know, it is literally natural. And it changed over the 12 month period. Uh, an extended, you know, a drought has caused, um, has caused some interesting issues in relation to the product, but it's still, uh, with food waste, it's actually, rich in nitrogen so you know not detrimental to plants but it, it, it actually has some some fertilizer quality now yeah and for our for our listeners that don't know a lot about that high nitrogen level does what for 
Oh, it's, it's almost like a fertiliser. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, but, you know, 25,000 tonne uh, does not... It's not enough to, uh, you know, um, fertilise, a, a, you know, a, a hundred hectare farm. Yeah. If they use sort of a tonne an acre or, you know... Uh, five tonne depending on what they want to do with their soil you know it's fantastic for breaking down clay you know clay soils there's there's been uh, quite a number of businesses in in victoria that have used a lot of compost product uh, to rehabilitate land to grow uh, crops whereas you know you had a high salt content very clay soil um, so it's proven uh, it, it's just that you know that people's perception about something that's recycled being of no value, and that happens a lot, mm. um, has to change. Mm. You know, people have to understand that um, ultimately you need an outlet. It's 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 one thing to to make. We we manufacture. That's what we do. We manufacture a product. Um, people have to understand, and and we we try really hard to convince that that this is not your your. Um, it's not topsoil. It adds carbon to the ground. Um, it, it, it is of value and, and it can fertilise at the same time. Um, we had an instance um, many years ago where a pomegranate com- or a company, a, a farmer, wanted to grow pomegranate, pomegranate out of season in Australia to, to sell into the Northern Hemisphere. They were backed by the Israelis and they used their product to add carbon in the ground because a lot of people don't realise that Australian topsoil lacks carbon. Yeah, right. Yeah, they needed 2% carbon For to that go fruit these, to yeah, grow. Yep, yep. So it's an interesting business. And what about um, what about when you add um, things like compostable packaging to it, Ken? Um, I don't know a lot about it again, but I hear it doesn't really add any value to it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. No. It's a, the, the compostable packaging is only, only a, 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 a method for householders to store their, their food waste until they put it in the bin. So where we see like large stadiums swapping to compostable uh, bamboo, wooden forks, wooden knives, no, it's no benefit to the product, no. but it's a benefit that it probably keeps it away from landfill. Well, a lot of those don't break down. They don't break down? A lot. Mm-hmm. Some do, a lot don't. We've trialled every single type of uh, you know material yeah that is available uh, supposedly compostable but it doesn't break down yeah I mean some people talk about you know in that particular sector there can be a lot of greenwashing um, in everything from those compostables to the biodegradable stuff yeah, and the biodegradable bag was a feel-good um, attempt um, to assuage the guilt mm. of putting plastic in the landfills. Yeah. Mm. And the irony was that uh, biodegradable bags needed sunlight to break down. If you're compacting 1.25 tonne per cubic metre of airspace, mate, you're not going to get much uh, sunlight breaking that stuff down, I can tell you. No. <laughs> no. 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 Um, Ken, you've, got a, you've, got a, you've bought us a sample from Western Technology composting because we're not up there today. Mm. Should we just have a look at that, James? And... So, 
Now this. Yeah, sorry, bring it down. So this, this is your finished product, yeah? Yes. Now, if you smell that, mm. it smells sweet, doesn't it? It does. Now, that's a combination of food organics, garden organics. Um, it's a little bit bigger than our premium 16ml uh, minus mix. But you put that on your garden, and I'll guarantee you there's two things you'll get. You'll get fantastic growth. Yeah, okay. Of, of, uh, even instant lawn. You know, normally you put instant lawn down on topsoil. You've got to drown the thing for at least two weeks. To get it to take off. Yep. You put this down, you dig it in, um, you'll use half the amount of water. Oh, wow. And get a better result. Yeah. yeah. And that's a combination of food and green plus water treatment sludge from an abattoir. Yeah, wow. Mm. And, the, and the process to make this, um, how many, what's the period of time again? Six. Six, six weeks. Six weeks. Mm. It's pretty good. Well, thanks for letting us have a look at that, Ken. You're more than welcome. Um, I'd love to get up up there. Obviously, you know we spend a bit of time in that region, so I'd love to get up there with James and have a bit of a look around and, and uh, yeah, obviously see this. And, uh, and um, yeah, really appreciate your time for coming on. No, you're more than welcome to come up any time, and thank you. Yeah. So there you go, guys. Um, Ken Dickens, our wealth of knowledge on organics. Um, a wealth of experience across the entire waste management and recycling industry. Um, thanks very much for sharing that with us. We hope you guys got a bit of value out of that and in understanding what happens to your green waste organics and what will potentially happen if you're going to have a FOGO um, collection from your home in Australia and for our international viewers and listeners, the FOGO system is where at the household you can collect your food and um, other green waste organics, put it in a bin take it to the curbside and it gets collected and it goes to someone like Ken who processes it over a six week period and produces a great product like he's just uh, showed us there at Western Technology Composting. So thanks again, Ken. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and turn notifications on. Thank you. <laughs> well, no. You've done this before, mate. A couple of times. <laughs> Thank you. You're more than welcome. Wow, how good is that guys? The key takeaway for me though is it doesn't really matter what recyclable product we're collecting, we must have that infrastructure in place to turn it into a product and then we all have the responsibility to make sure we're buying that product back that is made of recyclable material. Thank you so much for making yourself available for this episode, Ken. I know I got so much value and I learned so much about organics and composting and from you sharing your 30 plus years of experience. And guys, I suggest you go and check out the episode over on my YouTube channel. There's some footage from Ken's facility up there at Western Composting Technology. Really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Please share it with your friends. Please subscribe, write a comment, send me a message. We do reply to all of them. And if you want more education about plastic, Think Beginning Not End is powered by Vanden Recycling. Go and check out our website, vandenrecycling.com. Go to the Knowledge Center. There is so much free information there about not only plastic, but about recycling in general. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe. And uh, as always, Think Beginning Not End.